Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. there. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. We are so excited for today's episode. Guys, we have a really sweet treat on here. She's a probably uncomfortable treat. right now that I'm pumping her up And then much. we're calling her a sweet treat. A sweet treat. But Dee Dee is a sweet treat. She is. But welcome to going there, Dee Dee Crosby drumroll. Thank you. This is going to make you really uncomfortable. You're a local Bible study celebrity. Woman of faith. For sure. In our local church community. Yes. yes. So welcome, Dee Dee Crosby. We're really pumping you up here. So. Does that make you uncomfortable to be called a biblical celebrity? Yes, actually, actually, if any celebrity, I would want to be called a biblical scholar. Celebrity. Well, yeah. Well, let's just celebrities <laughs> much better than scholar. No, we will let her do an intro for herself. But just to give a little background, mm-hmm. I met Dee Dee probably six, seven years ago, probably through a newlywed small group my husband and I were in. They oh, that would have been more friends. than six or oh, seven, yeah. I mean, right? I guess that would have been like eight years ago, yeah. eight, nine-ish years mm-hmm. ago. My husband and I were in a newlywed small group. D is her husband. That, and then Dee Dee. <laughs> Dee and Dee Dee came to our small group to talk because they were like best friends with our small group leaders. And they came to just talk about marriage and life. And I was like, wow, these friends are really wise. Mm-hmm. And then it has now turned into, I have Dee Dee teaches a lot of classes at our church and just as a super wise woman. And so I've now gotten to learn from her. She mentors a lot of people, teaches the Bible really well. And guys, again, you're in for a sweet treat because she has a lot of wisdom, but we wanted her to come on. And you know what I love about you too, Dee Dee, is that you're so real. I have met some older women in my life who know their Bible so well and you go meet them for coffee or you ask them to a question about something and it's like, not like they're meaning to, but they're very intimidating because they just seem so holy and righteous and not in a way that they're trying to come off like that. But you are so real. You flub through things. You'll say, I don't really understand this fully either. Let me look into it more. You'll talk about my life has challenges too. And so that's why I think so many people are drawn to you because we can relate to you and you have a cool way of being able to teach us all how to study the Bible, which is obviously number one important to Christian and I, if you listen to this podcast. So yes, but why don't you jump in there, introduce yourself, Dee Dee, and tell us a little bit about you, your family, hobbies, life, what's life look like for you? Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. It's nice to be here. And Thank you for all the nice accolades, and it's exciting to be here. So basically, my story started growing up in a Christian home, going to church, and was baptized like when I was 16. So I knew this stuff, but probably not until I was in my 20s did I start to engage in faith. And as I was learning to engage in faith, I realized that the Bible had to be central to it all. And so I began this journey of learning to study the Bible and how to study the Bible. And it just opened up a whole new world, opened up my whole world of faith and what to do next and how to walk with God and all the things. And so that's kind of a little bit about my background. In the course of all this, I got married and have been married for 35 years. I have a quick question. Amazing. When you met him, the name thing. How did you feel about that? How did, was that just like a funny little? Yeah. yeah. So we shared a common friend. Dee and I crossed paths for several years. Mm-hmm. At one point, we were both counselors down at Canna Camp. 
but we were at different camps, so we didn't mm-hmm. know each other. But we had a friend who knew both of us, and she was just delightful <laughs> and giggly. And she said, oh, I got to introduce D and Dee because that's so funny. And so I mean, it honestly is hilarious, yeah. though. You guys had to been like, okay, sure are we it, interested? Because like, is this too weird or is it not weird? I have you know? second cousins that's a boy Madison married a girl Madison. Yeah. And what she's had to kind of start going by Maddie, even though like your whole life she didn't. Yeah. So yeah, it's been fun. And, yeah. and it's funny because I've gone by D mm-hmm. and he had family members that called him Dee Dee. And oh. you know, they're both nicknames. So it's good. The thing I kind of end up with it is, is the good news is we're going to know each other's names as old as we get, no matter what. There you go. That's sweet. Yeah. Really brings a whole new meaning to the one flesh. It's like you're the same (laughs) person almost. Yeah, almost. (laughs) The one flesh. I've always wondered that about you guys. Also, whenever I say your all's names, they they do kind of flow together. Like it feels weird to just say Mm -hmm. D.D. Crosby or D. Crosby. I'm like D and D.D. Like it's just D and D.D. Yeah. So that's kind of sweet. But yes, one flush for 35 years. We have a daughter, Tori, who's 29 and she's married and lives out in Wisconsin. And so that's delightful. We're looking forward to seeing her come at Christmas. How do you spend your days? What do your weeks look like? They're always different. I never have a clue what's going to happen. I try to spend it getting ready. A lot of times it's getting ready, preparing for Bible study. I try to be sure that I'm meeting with some people, not necessarily every day, but probably four or so times a week. I appreciate that because I find that it's easy just to get consumed with DD world and not live out of that sometimes. And so that's a challenge. So I try to do that. And, and then it's just loving people who God puts in my path. I'll have a week on my calendar and it'll be open on Sunday night. And by Friday, it's filled with this, that, and the mm, other. And, I love and that. so it's fun and exciting. It's the season of life that Christian and I, over this last year, we've been on this journey of how do we really scale back? Because you know us kind of well, and we do it all and we say yes to things and we like to operate that way. But we both got about a year ago into the season where we're like, we have these kids that are growing a little older and they're consuming a lot more of our mental energy and we've got to really scale back on this life. And so hearing you say that you get to look at your week with an open calendar and then get to see how it gets filled with meeting with certain girls or friends or whoever, that is a dream for me because I'm trying in small ways to say like open space on a calendar, but that's like a few times a month where there's open space. Now that is like how we aspire to live one day. I Mm -hmm. hope that we just get to have that. Well, my example, even recent example is literally Dee Dee walked up to me at church probably three weeks ago, two weeks ago. And you literally looked at me and you said, hi, Christian, can we do lunch this week? And I was like, oh, yeah, let me look at my calendar right now. Christian's like, I can get you in three weeks from now. No, and right there, we put something on the calendar that day. And I remember we went to lunch and I thanked you. I was like, hey, thank you for just asking right there. And then and we got Mm -hmm. it on the calendar because how often in life we just say, yeah, we should get together or I want to be intentional or I want to make time. And if we really don't put action behind that, then it goes away and Mm -hmm. it just flies by. And so you just like very well live that out. You spend a lot of your time. I mean, I was going to say, you're not even saying all the fun hobbies that you have. You're super outdoorsy. You kayak a lot. You're on your lake a lot. You have a lake by your house. Yep. That sounded like kind of you're on your lake. And a lot. You, you don't do woodworking. That's D, no, that's right? D, okay. D, okay. Yeah. But you are constantly I mean, most of the times when I see you around town, you are meeting with someone or playing with small children mm-hmm. of someone you love yeah. and you're just hanging out just and serving, doing life yeah. and serving and loving on people well. So that's awesome. Guys. I have a question going back to as we jump into this conversation that we want to talk with you about. 
Was there someone you mentioned earlier, you started growing in what that looked like to walk with Jesus deeply in your faith in your 20s, and you really started understanding, I need to know God's word. Was there someone in your life that helped you learn how to study God's word? Was there a mentor you had that just, or it was just kind of the Holy Spirit working in your life? There's not been mentors. There's been women who I've admired. I've admired their faith, but who have not. We didn't have that concept wasn't part of my era of growing up. And it would be the Holy Spirit working. I had an opportunity to have a year of schooling that helped get that ignited Mm -hmm. and learning to study the Bible. And then I got to be a part of Bible Study Fellowship who did some more training on studying the Bible and stuff. And then I did a class with Precept Upon Precept Ministry who taught a structure to study the Bible. The structure that I gained is what helped me because I tend to be all over the place and having a structure to study the Bible. That's what's helped change me. And so just developing that as I've gone along in Mm -hmm. life. I think there's a lesson in that too. our generation. I don't think this is a bad thing, but I think we were raised where it was. Who is your mentor? And are you meeting with them every week or every other? And what's your format? And there is a lot of great in that. But it's also true that you can have women that you admire and want to get to know, but you can also learn from a group of different women and you don't have to have it. I just feel like we have girls sometimes. I don't have like a mentor structure. How do I find one? Well, maybe go to like a Bible study and see if you click with some older women around you or even women who aren't maybe older in age, but you can tell they know more about the Bible than you and just ask if they'll help you learn. And so I think that's a good example of that. Yeah, I agree. I also think it could be a slippery slope if you're looking to that. I need that to grow in my faith when like, no, ultimately, like God's given us the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And he's given us the Holy Spirit to say, Lord, like, give me the time in your book to learn from this and to grow in knowledge Mm -hmm. of this. And I think sometimes we're like, yeah, they didn't have a good mentorship structure or really like God is the best mentor, that Jesus is our friend and he is the best one to like mentor us. And so what does that look like? But Didi, we've learned a lot of these things from you. So even as you talk about the structure that you learned through different ways to study the Bible, Mm -hmm. you talk about this transformation in your life and the transformation that we have seen personally where you will say, hey, my flesh really wanted to do this, but because I know God and because he is in my heart and my mind, that not in a perfect way, but you're able to say, this is my flesh, but I'm now going to choose to say this or do this because Mm -hmm. of that. Talk to us about this transformation. Talk to us about this way of studying the Bible for you that has really transformed how you can piece apart your flesh and earthly desires to respond in a certain way or be, Mm -hmm. we all know what we're talking about, but then you get to choose love or you get to choose kindness or you get to choose grace. Talk Mm -hmm. to us about this. I read a book a few years ago the gospel-centered life was in oh, yeah. book. Mm-hmm. And one of the lines in it, it says that the more you're awed with God, the more I will understand my need for Jesus and I will grow. And so that just resonated with me because I think one of the beauties of studying God's Word is that's where we learn about who God is. As I continue to study both the Old and the New Testament, I find that what Jesus asked us to do and told us to do was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I can't do that if I don't understand the resource Mm -hmm. of love that I've Mm -hmm. been given. And so understanding what it is when God says He's compassionate, He has loving kindness and he has steadfastness to love us and 
he's merciful and he's gracious. To understand what those words mean in light of also that he won't let the guilty go unpunished. And so finding, we all have a good concept of the guilty punishment and all that, but we don't always have a good concept of a compassionate God and a God that is loving and he's kind and he's steadfast and he's faithful with us. And so as I've studied and I've found more verses like that verse comes from Exodus, an Old Testament verse that blew my theory of God judging God out of the water. I've, I've seen how he is gracious and he is merciful, and that's just as important. And those are the qualities that draw me towards him. And as I'm drawn towards him, I find that I see my inadequacy and how I'm impatient and unkind and have a temper that gets out of hand and different things like that. And I'm like, well, that's not who I want to be. I can't love my neighbor. That's not the way I want to be. And so as I continue to study and grow, I truly am more awed by God. And the last few years, this thing about the Old Testament and the New Testament coming together and seeing it as one large picture, that has just built into that concept of growing in the awe of God. And so Psalm 19 also, because Psalm 19 refers to seeing God in nature, but seeing God in His Word. And I think God reveals Himself through a lot of things. As we study God's Word and we take the initiative to do that, it doesn't matter if it's a little bit of time, it's time in God's Word that He builds that within us and He's able to draw us closer through that building process of being awed by who He is. He just wants us to know Him. I love it how you say that, because I think one thing I've learned about my time in the Word, but also just my time with you and how you accurately read the Bible and read it for the context all around it is one thing I think we often do as humans and just as Christians is we read the Bible and apply our own definitions or understandings of words mm-hmm. to what is in the Bible. That when we say, oh, a compassionate God, we have our own worldly definition of what compassion means, that we understand what, what compassion can look like. We understand what unconditional looks like. But we don't often recognize the fault that we have and that we are broken humans, that we are sinful humans, that we're humans that really actually don't understand perfect compassion. We don't actually understand perfect, unconditional love. We've never seen that or experienced it. And I think you are so good at really piecing apart and really, I think I've seen it in your own personal life saying, no, God is what his compassion looks like is this. This is what I've read in the Bible. This is what I've seen when these people are terrorizing another group of people that God still showed those people compassion. I'm using all these examples, but I'm like, I think it's amazing. And I think we have to be weary of that as we read God's word for ourselves of saying, am I putting my own definition to how God's describing himself here? Or actually, am I really willing to dig into God's word to say, no, what does that character quality of God really look like? And how has that played out? And you get to see that in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and all of those references back and forth just grow in the validity of God's word itself. But it's really exciting when those things come alive, because then that gives you the ability in your life to say, oh, no, God's compassion looks like this. And Mm -hmm. I can move forward in compassion with this person who has been really hurtful or harmful to me. And this is what it looks like because this is what I've seen in God's character. So we obviously know you spend a lot of time reading God's word. Will you share with us a little bit? How does your time with God look each day? Each day is different. My hope when I get up each day is that I will go and spend time with God's word. The reality is I don't have a great equation as far as, okay, I block out 
this much time and I'm going to go read and then I'm going to pray and then I'm going to read this. It doesn't look like that. It more looks like, all right, let's go. I'll go sit down, sit at my desk, and I'll open up Scripture. And like right now, I'm getting ready for a Thessalonians study. So I'll read through some of Thessalonians and jot down some things I'm thinking and try figuring out where is this going. But then I also glean from it. There's seldom a time when I open up and I start to read that I think, hmm, I wonder what that was about. I wonder what my lesson is. Oh, it's like, oh, today I read this. And that's just directly what I needed to hear. And it wasn't that I got to read and then get lost in studying what this word meant or what that word meant or this cross-reference or that cross-reference. It's just what I needed to hear. Sometimes when I like a time after we finished a Bible study session is I just like going back and rereading things that are familiar, being reminded of a truth here or a truth there. And so it kind of looks different. There's certain Psalms that sometimes I just like to go sit and read and It just looks different. Very seldom do I find I can do it, though, without pencil and paper. I'm not a journaler, but I do like to write down as I'm studying so I can see stuff and find questions and go back to answer later if I don't have time. So it can be 10 minutes. It can be open-ended. Walk us through some of that, because Samantha and I on the podcast before have talked about inductive studying, have talked about this practice for like a structured way to study God's word. We could talk a long time about yeah, this. You could read whole could books a, on this. You could this. do a whole this lesson. A but whole talk to us a little yeah. bit about that because yeah. so in your studies with you, we have colored pencils. Each colored pencil color means different things. Mm-hmm. We're going through scriptures. We're marking things up. We're circling. We're lightning bolting, all the things. But talk to us a little bit about that because you're saying I really rarely do it without pen and paper. What are you doing with the pen and paper? What do you gain? I want women to understand, like, what are you marking? And then how do you use those markings later on? Like, what is happening there? So this morning I sat down and right now, because Thessalonians is a small book, I start writing out a verse. And as I'm going along, I'm thinking of the questions. Who's writing this letter? Who's it being written to? What are the key points? What are they trying to encourage or discourage? How are they prompting the people? How are they encouraging people to live their lives? Why are they doing this? What does it say about who God is? What does it say about Jesus? Is there a teaching about the Holy Spirit? So it's the who, what, when, where, why, and how questions. And literally, I have the verses, I'm writing them out, and then I take another pencil right now, and I just write those things. It says what here, it says who here, it says why. And so I'll take that then and I'll go back and I'll figure out the things that as I prepare to write the study, what do I think? I'll write all the questions out explaining those. From there, what I find is then I'm interacting with Scripture. And, and then I say, okay, so what does that word mean? What does compassion mean? What does it mean in a biblical way? Because their language was so different than ours, and they have such a rich and full language. Well, that makes a lot of sense, too, because we hear girls talk about, I can read a scripture, and it goes right over my head, is the first thing I think we hear from girls a lot. Or they say, well, that's great, and I understand what that's saying, but how does that apply to my life? And what you're saying, when you break it out like that, first of all, really importantly, you understand the context, because that is something I think is really missed in our culture when studying God's Word is, hey, you have to remember that this is the group of people. This was the issues going on in that specific church that Paul or whoever was writing to and trying to address specific things. Like these weren't just some maybe, but like journals thrown out into the world, like some of those letters are specific to people. 
And so when you can know that context, then you can learn what was culturally happening at the time. Why would that random thing have been an issue? Or then that helps you apply all of that and then say, oh, I see how that relates to our modern day culture in my life. And I see that the same things that was being encouraged with knowing the Holy Spirit and what happened with Jesus and reminding them of what he did for them and how they should live out of that and forget parts of the law. That's still truth I need to hear today. And so it's a lot easier to parse those things out and pull and say, no, this is living. This is true for me today which I love. And then the understanding, of course, it can feel sometimes really heady. And then as soon as you look up those definitions, it's okay, that makes more sense. I'm understanding it. So Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, and I love that you say, this is how I then interact with scripture. This is helping me interact. Love that. Because I sit there and think, oh, that is how we talk a lot here in our everyday conversation, but ongoing there as well. How do we move scripture from our head to our heart? What does that actually look like? And we wanted to have you on the podcast because we were like, who lives out the transformation of how reading God's word and in a relationship with Jesus intimately, how does that, we wanted to have someone on to talk about what does that transformation look like? And I think you are living proof of what this is what it looks like. Because I interact with scripture, those interactions then can translate to my words and actions when I am interacting with people. And so this interaction with scripture directly translate to interaction with people. And I think that is a really awesome way that God's word is alive in your life that you can say, no, I like actively have to seek this out. And then in my personal life, it becomes more natural to actively seek out and be loving or be kind or not house bitterness that those things become more easy for you because you're doing them with God's word. And when I I have a basis of which I have a framework of saying, this is who I would like to be. This is Mm -hmm. who I would like to become. And I can't do that apart from one, being awed at God. Because if this is who he's created me to be, loving and kind and gentle and compassionate, showing mercy and forgiveness, I'm at a place where that's what I want to be. And it's a fight. I want to engage in that fight. Some days you do better than other days, but it's not because of God's lack of faithfulness. It's because I'm looking at me instead of God. I think you said this in Bible study this semester, but maybe it was someone else. I don't know. We've mentioned it before about how if you're not actively fighting it or going on that path, even if you don't understand, maybe you think you're just sitting still or whatever, you're actually actively going the opposite way. And so did you say this? We talked about that the Bible is clear of you are either following the world or following God in the study of Psalms, because in the Psalms, it was talking about the Bible is clear, like you are either following God or you're following the ways of the world. Like there's no kind of in between. So we were talking about the seriousness of that, that like, are we lackadaisical? Are we careless? Are we just nonchalant about our faith? Yeah. Or are we pursuing God? Well, in our world, we might think there's like 15 different options or ways to live, but really there's these two that you have to follow. And so Mm -hmm. my question is, what do you do on the days that maybe you're just like, okay, I either don't feel God's presence in this season of my life, or maybe if you're like me, I've had seasons where I'm actually angry at God. So I really don't want to meet with him. Or where you just don't have that desire to go open your Bible and sit down with your pen and paper. How do you fight against that? On those days, sometimes I will listen to music that I like, Christian music, just Mm -hmm. to remind me. Sometimes I just go and sit without pen and paper and I just read some of my favorite things that remind me of who I am in Christ. And I'm like, okay, I better get going there because that's not (laughs) how I'm feeling. And also, 
I've become keenly aware that feelings cannot motivate my mm. life. And I want to be motivated because I know and I'm understanding and growing in the understanding of God's love for me. And he has a purpose for me. And it is to be like him and to be like Christ and to be loving and kind and gentle and to share the hope that I have that I've gone. So it can't be feeling directed. And also on those days, I have some friends that I just say, okay, I'm not doing well. And I just need you to pray. And I usually say, pray for that. And then I erase it. And I said, just pray for what you think I need, need. That's amazing. So sharing a burden, I'm very fortunate and very blessed that I have some people and a husband that I can share that with. Obviously, we have an array of listeners on our podcast. These could be working women or stay-at-home moms, Mm -hmm. women who are just getting out of college and transitioning to first jobs, or women in their 40s who are chugging away with multiple kids and being the taxi of their lives. If you could leave us with one thing, what would that be? Obviously, I know it's hard to whittle it down to one, so it could be a couple. It was kind of fun when I'm thinking about this. I think the one thing I would do is, it's an old familiar verse, is Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And so I thought, okay, so trust. What does trust involve? Trust involves knowing a person, knowing why I should, why should I trust in the Lord? I have to know the mm-hmm. Lord to, in order to trust in him, to trust that he will be reliable and that he will be a constant. And so how do I do that? How am I going to do that? I'm going to know him. And how am I going to do that with all my heart? I have to examine and recognize when I'm not. But that's my goal. And then, and lean not on your own understanding. That's when it hits you in the face. (laughs) Because I can absolutely tell when I'm going on what I think is the right thing to do. And the influences that there are feelings and all the verbiage of the world today. And it does not usually direct me towards a godly path. And so I have to understand what is it that I'm leaning on? Am am I leaning on God's word? The little word all, in all your ways, acknowledge him. I have to stop and think, okay, am I acknowledging God? Am I trying to walk in his ways? Or am I just doing it because right now I'm so upset? I'm just going to go with it. But taking time to assess my heart and my motives and my whys, and then, and the hope of the end of it, that he will direct my path. That's Mm -hmm. what I want. That's where I have come to a place to believe my hope is going to be found in God. So that's where I want to walk. That's my verse. Right there, I think that's a perfect example of how you can take one verse and you're like, this is how I'm applying a verse. So if you are even confused about any of the conversation of what does this look like? One, Samantha and I would love to chat with you more about inductive studying or any ways to just read your Bible if you're confused. But I think that was a perfect example of that. Of like, these are practical ways of how I piece apart and then apply a verse in my life that is living and sovereign and superior to what my mind or flesh want to think or do. Or the world. Mm -hmm. God is not unreachable. And and I think that he wants us to know that. Mm -hmm. And he has given us ways to know him. And uh, Psalms 19, I think, is that other one. You can see him in the created being around us, and we can see it in his words. I tend to be a practical person, and this has helped me 
a ton. That's so really good, good. Didi. Thank, thank you so much for your yes, time thank today. You. If anyone wants wisdom. to study Thessalonians, if you're local in the spring, they can mm-hmm. come do that on Tuesday mornings or Thursday evenings. Is that when you meet yes. the second time? Yes, Thursday evening. Okay. Yeah. So guys, thank you so much. I hope that you guys have enjoyed just hearing from Didi, but Didi, thank you for your time. Yes, we really appreciate, appreciate you coming it. on. Sweet to be here. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Bye.